Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. You're here with me, Brother Thomas Therese, comma OP, and him, Daniel, comma nothing. <laughs> so you're are you, say, are you trying to make this comma nothing? I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I have to keep saying comma OP, then maybe comma nothing will become a will become an imperative for something. To I don't know, some stirring of the spirit or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe in the future uh, I'll be something. Maybe you'll be. Well, some, I already am. Well, something. you are something. Yeah, absolutely. So it should be comma something. Come or something. <laughs> well, today uh, we are actually out on location, uh, which is probably a strange thing to say, but we're at uh, Godstow Abbey. So yesterday was our Facebook nine-year friendiversary <laughs> of all wow. things. And um, just like God's, Godstow Abbey, our friendship is a heap of ruins after nine years oh. destroyed by Henry VIII. Uh, I'm really joking. Awful. I'm really joking. I don't mean it. Uh, but oh, I, God's well, I was going to say, we're, what we're looking at, at now is obviously the ruins of the abbey. Mm. But, you know, it's full of other life. It's full of flowers and trees growing up here. Lots of and buttercups. That's, that's like our friendship. Out of the ruins of our <laughs> first few years of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> that's come lots of fr- unexpected fruit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The um, Godstow Abbey used to be a Benedictine Abbey, which was uh, destroyed. Uh, actually, the actual ruins of the Abbey was de- the Abbey itself was suppressed under Henry VIII, but the structure and the building and everything was given over to Henry VIII's personal physician. Um, and it was only subsequently, it was much later, that the Abbey was actually uh, torn down and destroyed. So it's now sadly a, a hollow shell. But we thought, like being here in a place where there was lots of conviviality and uh, a a common life that was shared. Conviviality is sort of a life of friendship and fraternity and happiness and joy that the sisters sisters here live together. Lives of friendship and harmony and unity when it's at its best. It's not always easy in religious life. But uh, yeah, I mean, what better place to, to meet and discuss the great topic of friendship in a place where friendship with God was fostered and friendship amongst uh, the communion of saints, friendship amongst the sisters was also fostered, you know. Um, so yeah, we're here today to talk uh, about friendship. And Thomas Aquinas, of course, says, nothing is to be prized more than true friendship. Without it, even the most enjoyable tasks become miserable, and with it, the most miserable tasks can become a true joy. And um, I'm gonna, I, I certainly feel that way about, about my friendships, I think, you know. Yeah, and I'll be drawing upon three saints in particular, St. Aylred of Riveau, St. Thomas Aquinas, and also St. Therese of Lisieux, and the sort of different insights that they've, they've given me about friendship, friendship with my neighbours, friendship, you know, with the people who I'm, who I'm surrounded by, and uh, also, also friendship with God. You know, one of the things you said there, about that quote from Thomas Aquinas, was it? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, uh, there's a book by this author called Curtis Martin, and the book's actually on friendship. The whole book is actually on, on friendship. But he says at the heart of what it means to live life to the fullest is friendship. Mm. So it, it allows life to be led to the fullest. Because obviously you want to share your, the joy of the yeah. experience of life, you know, the joys and also the lows. You yeah. want to share them with other people. Absolutely. I think that's exactly what Thomas Aquinas is getting at. He's saying you know, the most enjoyable, most enjoyable ca- tasks become miserable without friendship. And most miserable tasks become joyful with friendship, you know, when you share those burdens with a friend and things. I think you've actually, you've also hit on something actually very important, that friendship is a sharing of your 
uh, of your life with somebody, you know. Uh, there is something that's intimate about friendship, and I think society generally tends to see either sexual love or marital love as the highest form of love uh, in the created order in the world. Um, but actually, uh, the saints and the spiritual writers and everything drawing on scripture actually believe that friendship actually is the highest form of love. Yes, you know, there's a lot of spousal imagery that's used uh, between Christ and, and his church and things, but a lot of the spiritual writers will say, but actually there's also something unitive about friendship. And so this is again why Thomas Aquinas says that nothing is to be prized more than true friendship. We might also actually say that marriage is a particular type or a particular sort of uh, friendship, uh, a unitive friendship that's ordered towards a particular particular goal with the procreation of children and things like that and a sharing of, mm. of, the, of uh, living a common life together in a very unique and particular way. Could we say it's like uh, living out, particular living out? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It is a sort of like particular friendship which is exclusive. Mm. Uh, but maybe we, we might also want to say that it goes a bit further than friendship and things, you know, it's not just sort of, it's not what society might call friend, friends with benefits or anything like that. It's not like that, yeah. it is something more than that. And it's elevated by the dignity of a sacrament. It's exclusive. Marriage is something that's uh, exclusive. It forsakes all others. Whereas friendship, uh, sort of generally speaking, isn't exclusive in that way. You can be friends with many different people and have many different sorts of friendships with people and things. And um, Aylred of Ribot, he will distinguish between what he would call worldly friendship, which is built on virtue, and spiritual friendship, which is, uh, yes, it's built on virtue, because he thinks that vice is uh, unlove, and friendship is a form of love, and so therefore you, uh, to call, to, to have a friendship which is vicious is not to have a friendship at all. It's not true friendship. Mm. So it has to be built on, on virtue. But a spiritual friendship goes further than just a, uh, a ordinary friendship and a worldly friendship built on virtue, because Christ is present in that friendship. Is that how it would differ from Aristotle? Because I mean, Aristotle talks a lot about friendship. I think he spends two books talking about or dedicated to friendship. And he talks about it being uh, sort of the, the after effects of virtue. I mean, mm -hmm. perfect friendship is made possible because of uh, virtue. But then it, it's sort of, in my view, it seems to be limited. It takes you so far, you know, like this, com would you say, conviviality? Yeah. It allows you to live life to the fullest in the natural sense, but obviously he, he was pre-Christian, pre-Christ. So now we would say with the yeah. coming of Christ, we would say that actually life is ordered furthermore yeah. to that. It's, it's raised up a God. bit more, isn't it? It's elevated a bit more. Mm. That's not to say that... Um, it's not to say that uh, friendships are just sort of built on virtue and don't have a, a, an explicit Christian sort of element to it. it doesn't, it's not to say that they're not true friendships. They are true friendships, but they're, they're natural friendships. But when you, when you include grace and you include Jesus Christ into those friendships, it takes on a completely different dimension. Yeah, I suppose then the difference between a, a natural friendship and a spiritual friendship is that Christ is also involved. Yes, I think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to say maybe a little bit more about Aristotle's idea of Aristotle's sorts of friendship? Because Aylred, yeah. Aylred's really building on Cicero. Aylred takes Cicero, and you so see a Cicero lot of that comes through. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, I'm not too sure off the top of my head. I'd have to look that up. Um, but I'm 
Yeah, I mean, certainly Aylred, what, what's different in Aylred compared to Cicero is this Christological element. Uh, a lot of the other things, I think Cicero would probably agree with Aristotle that friendship is built on virtue. Mm. Uh, also that um, he would say that you, that you have charity towards your enemies, but you don't have friendship towards your enemies. This is, uh, he would say that that's not possible because uh, friendship is also a sharing of your life, a sharing of your interests, and there's a quality there and it's ordered towards a good, whereas an enemy doesn't will your good necessarily, you know. So he would say that you have charity with your, to, to your enemies and so in that way you love them, but he makes a distinction between that and friendship. Whereas Thomas Aquinas would actually say that charity is friendship and he says it is possible to love others with that, with that love and Christ bridges that gap. But we, maybe we can come on to that a bit later. That doesn't really answer your question about <laughs> about, yeah, about Aristotle, Cicero. does it? About Cicero. Yeah, I, I'm not... And Cicero, yeah. I'm sure I, I never knew that Cicero wrote anything on friendship. I mean, I know that Aristotle writes about friendship. He determines three different types of friendship. And mm-hmm. he says they're all, they're all good, but um, that... Well, he determines that two of them are accidental friendships, and one type is one which is chosen, which is intentional. So he says that friendship's based on utility, and then there's friendship based on pleasure, and then there's friendship based on the mutual appreciation of each other's virtues. Mm. So I suppose that fits into that natural view mm-hmm. of, of friendship. Mm-hmm. But just to explain the first two, so we see the first type of friendship with those who we have friendship with because there's some benefit to come from it. Mm. And, I mean, that's what u- utility is. There's some benefit that comes from that friendship but it's also like honor maybe or honor yeah. or wealth or something like that like if you were like friends with a king or something because of what they could give you or bring you yeah it's some you're friends with them because of the benefit that comes from the friendship right. or comes from the acquaintance they just make you feel good and things like that yeah but it's utility so the other one is is pleasure which mm-hmm. would be based on what you know what uh, ple- what pleasure comes from that so you mm. So with that one, it would be like a sports team. Maybe you're part of a, a mm-hmm. sports team or a, mm-hmm. a group of people. Mm. But what marks these two friendships is that they're temporary. Mm-hmm. So they're, they, they're for a time. But once the circumstances end, the friendship Once ends, the usefulness goes, then that's it. They're not interested anymore. Yeah. I mean, St. Jerome Rome says something about friendship as well. If it, was, if it doesn't last forever, was it really friendship? Yeah. Yes. Uh, presumably building on St. Paul's because he would say that friendship is a form of love and that uh, love endures all things from 1 Corinthians 13, I presume. I presume that's where he's getting it from. It's a complete guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But those two friendships then, the accidental friendships, are not bad things. You know, Aristotle's not necessarily saying they're bad, Mm. but he's saying that they're they're temporary. So they last for a time and their purpose is not love of the other person just oh know, yeah a plain love uh, that doesn't sound great to me to be honest <laughs> a lot of our friendships would be like that and they're not they're not necessarily bad you know you both you both benefit from that friendship in a particular way but it's it's not using the other person in order to for you to to grow in stature and the other person to diminish mm. it's still you're mutually benefiting from it yeah. Uh, because he, elsewhere he talks about... Sounds the, like a relationship of convenience. Yeah, I suppose. To, it's, it's limited, and that's, that's yeah. his point. Because the, the third type of friendship is something which he calls perfect friendship. And 
he says that it's intentional, it's chosen freely uh, by both persons. So each person chooses not because of what is gained from the friendship, but because they sake. choose the other person yeah. Yeah, for their own sake. So they love the person yeah. for who they are. Mm. And a big mark of this is that the friendship endures through great trouble and great difficulty. Mm. Uh, and I think that's probably true in most of my friendships that have lasted a long time. They've gone like talking about Q on the bus for hours and hours on end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or <right>. rising down. <laughs> well, just on, on Q, hilariously, I came across uh, Q in one of uh, a lecture that I was listening to. And Q came up as a subject <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, what have I become? I from, love it. From where I was 10 years ago. It's the baptism into you. academic theology, really. Isn't oh it? my God. Are you really an academic theologian if you haven't done Q? <laughs> but you know, there's, there's a mark of our, our friendship that it lasted the, the test of time and the test yeah. of Q. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The test of Q. Uh, but if anyone's wondering what Q is, uh, in a nutshell, what's Q? No, I don't. <laughs> I'll go down it's a rabbit a hole and it's I'll never trap. come down. I'll never don't get out there. of the rabbit hole. Don't go there. But and yeah, the, the level of this friendship or a mark of this friendship is that it endures through the good and the bad. So like through the good. So there's no jealousy of the other when something yeah. bad happens and there's no envy of the other person. But then also through the bad that you stand there with them through, yeah. through the tough times. And it, it, it reminds me actually of Proverbs says about friendship that a friend loves at all times mm. and a brother is born, born adversity. for adversity. But obviously this is like a limited sense as we said it's more like a natural friendship mm. and i think grace or the or revelation the revelation of christ allows us to see that actually that friendship goes further that and i suppose alred and therese would build on on that absolutely i mean for i mean for Aylred and, and stuff it's very um it's interesting because it's almost like the way that he speaks about spiritual friendship so i, I said earlier he makes this distinction between worldly friendship and spiritual friendship. Spiritual friendship uh, is not only built on virtue, but also has grace and has Jesus Christ. And um, each of the friends acts as Christ to each other and reveals and makes Christ present to the other. And he speaks about it almost like how people today might speak, might speak about marriage, you know. And it's like, uh, you know, you have the two friends and then there's this third party which lives between the two, two friends, which is Christ. Christ is, is the, the third party that lives between the two friends. And each friend is a guardian of that friendship and safeguards and protects and nurtures and nourishes the, the friendship. And this is one of the reasons why he thinks you've got to be very careful about who you enter into friendship with. Because when you're in a friendship, it, it like takes on a life of its own, you know? Like the friendship's almost like, it's almost like a child which has resulted from the two friends, which is amazing, really, if you think about it. I mean, if you compared Aylward's understanding of true friendship to a married couple talking about their married life, you'd find a lot of similarities. Aylward sees friendship as something that's very, very intimate. He quotes, uh, I think it's, he quotes the Song of Songs, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth. Therefore, he says, you know, in a, in a kiss, two breaths meet and are mingled and are united. And what he's getting at there, I mean, this is imagery, of course, this is metaphor. He's not saying that friends actually physically kiss each other. But what he says is that there's a sort of, instead of it being a sort of bodily kiss that's made by the impression of the lips, it's spiritual, and it's a, it's a union of the spirits. There's, an, there's a, an intellectual sort of meeting of minds, a union brought about by the Spirit of God and 
grace, the free gift of God. And this is then a metaphor, an image, showing the meeting, a meeting of love, a closeness and an intimacy, a sharing of lives. And I think this, is, this would be actually very striking to a lot of modern, modern thinkers and a lot of modern, a lot of modern readers, because it's something that sounds so intimate. And when we think of friendship, we wouldn't really usually talk about friendship in those, in those terms. It's interesting that he would use the song of songs, because that's yeah. what that's sort of indicating is that uh, God desires that level of intimacy with us. Absolutely, of, yeah. Of friendship. Obviously, a lot of work has been done on Jesus yeah. as the bridegroom, mm-hmm. and he's obviously the fulfillment of that song of songs that passage in the, in the Old Testament. That God loves us with that intimate desire to share life with us and share mm. love with us. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's an image, it's an image and a metaphor, but it's, mm. I mean, it's a beautiful one, isn't it? It it, it, it yeah. takes that natural friendship further. Yeah. There's something that's sort of there's something unitive about it. It's good. There is something intimate about uh, true and spiritual friendship, and it's ordered towards God, and it reflects in some way the love of two friends reflects the love that God has for his people. I mean, what is it that Jesus says to his disciples uh, at the Last Supper in the Gospel of John? He says, I call you no longer servants, I call Mm. you friends. There's a certain sort of equality there. Christ has bridged that gap and elevated us um, to to his level. And then you do see this equality then between friends, this this parity between, between them. And it's a sharing of the inner life. What is it that Jesus says to them after that? I call you no longer servants, I call you friends because I have made known to you everything mm. that the Father has made known to me. And that's what you find in friendship, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that you, with true sort of spiritual friendship and stuff, there's nothing really that you can't talk about. You know, you don't, you don't worry necessarily that, that your friend is, is um, to judge you going to, or... yeah, you can talk about whatever it is that you want. And Aylward then goes on to talk about how the friend is the companion of your soul to whose spirit you join and attach to yours. It has remarkably unitive language, intimate language. And I, I think that actually the, the world would feel a lot less lonely and a mm. lot less isolated if instead of raising up marriage to like the ideal form of love, if we actually understood friendship as the ideal form of love. Now, that's not saying that sort of raising friendship to, to include sexual union or anything like that. No. It's that sexual union actually isn't the highest form of union. The highest form of union is the union between us and God, mm. and that friendship, as well as marriage, can participate, uh, can participate in that, you know? I suppose because it, it, it goes beyond the physical. I think when most people would yeah. consider love, they would assume that it is physical mm. only, or it's li- you know, it's the limit is physical, or that's the highest expression of it, but actually it's the union of souls. Yeah, yeah, that's what I already say in there. Yeah, I mean there is a physical dimension, of course, to friendship, isn't there? I mean, of we course, we went yeah. out for lunch today, and we just had a lovely, <laughs> a, a lovely dessert and a yeah. latte. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you share you share life with each other. Yeah, but what what we're saying there is that it's it's not limited to the physical. Yeah, and and one thing that struck me there as you were talking about that is that um, in in natural friendship, when you have two people and a third one comes comes along there can sometimes be this tension mm. between mm-hmm. the three because then what exists is, is friendship but you know lots of different links and there's almost like this competitiveness that can sometimes exist but with mm. with christ when christ enters into that friendship of two people and becomes three 
there isn't mm. a competitiveness there's no, a, yeah. a union yeah no I, I i completely agree with that yeah no it's fantastic yeah one of the things that really impresses me about what jesus says one time he says greater love no man has than this than to lay down his life for us mm. so he, he really shows us the ultimate end or the ultimate purpose of, of friendship you sacrifice things for each other don't you yeah you lay down your life for each other yeah, yeah. but also that that Jesus' love of us shows us what the love of friendship really is, that he loves us as we are. Yeah. He, I mean, Jesus doesn't gain anything from us being in friendship with us. He doesn't gain anything from us loving him. And his love isn't dependent on anything that, that we do or anything that we say. I mean, he loves us as we are, and he lays down his life for, for us, which is uh, beautiful, but it's also deliberately chosen. So Jesus... Uh, the second person of the Trinity becomes man in order to deliberately choose us. Mm, mm. What, you know, you what know a what, beautiful... That reminds me of that other, that other passage from Scripture, you did not choose me, it was I who chose you. Yeah. And also in the first letter of John, it's not that we loved God, it's that God first loved us. That mm. so, yeah, there is this sort of... I suppose this is a theme of election, isn't it? You know, a, 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 a choosing, a choosing of, of the people, but going from one family to a nation... Uh, uh, mm. you know, in a people, and then broadening that then to to the whole world um, that you see throughout throughout Scripture. It's quite interesting. Yeah, you know that Sherry Waddell talks about being an intentional disciple. Mm. I think it's it's quite a, it, it's it's quite beautiful to actually reflect on the the fact that as a disciple we intentionally choose Jesus, we choose to follow God, but also that God intentionally chooses us. Mm-hmm. He intentionally seeks us out in order for us to share life with him in order for us to be friends with him mm, mm-hmm. now, what a what a profound thing that he 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 intentionally chooses you brother yeah. thomas or well, he has chosen you invited you into a relationship <laughs> yeah. you know he, in the past sense obviously in the present and in the future but he's already done that and invited you into uh being that union of friendship through mm. religious life and I mean, this this is a sort of, this is the thing i mean Every person, the, the, the end of every person really is to have that unitive friendship with God, that we are all supposed to become partakers of the divine nature, that we're all supposed to have friendship with God through Jesus Christ, and then also communion and friendship with each other too. You know, Thomas Aquinas has this beautiful, beautiful way of, of, of saying that um, when he's talking about having charity, which, is, which he would say is friendship, unlike Aylred. Aylred says charity is not friendship. Thomas Aquinas says charity is friendship. And he would say that you can have this charity towards your enemies precisely because God bridges that gap. You know, he answers an objection where somebody says, well, you know, if friendship is between equals, how can, how can uh, human beings be friends with God when God is transcendent? Mm. And they say, well, God became man in the person of Jesus Christ in order that man might become God, you know, St. Athanasius. So he bridges, he bridges that gap. And it, what he says is that everybody you meet is either your friend, right? But I mean, beyond that, he says, every single person you meet will either be a friend of God or will have the potential to be a friend of God. So you either love them because they are friends of your friend, whether you know them or not, or you love them because they have the potential to be friends of your friend. And God cannot will anything other than what is good and what is best for you. So God is the best friend that you could, that you could possibly have. And not only does he just will what's good for you, he works actively to bring it about, even sometimes 
against our struggling. Sometimes, mm. you know, you, you sort of feel like you're being dragged kicking and streaming, uh, kicking and sc screaming. Yeah, so that everyone then that you meet is either a friend of God or has the potential to be a friend of God, and therefore they're either already your friend because they're a friend of God, and then they, they will your good, or they have the potential to be. And so then uh, that love is extended to them again, you know? So I that think that's something what, beautiful. Is that what St. Therese talks about then? Uh, yeah, I, I think St. Therese, Therese of Lisieux goes one step further than uh, Aquinas. I think she makes it, I think, a bit more sort of universal. And she does also talk about how it's also with people who we find difficult. So mm. I'll just read you a, an excerpt from her story of a soul. She says, um, I set to work to discover how Jesus had loved his disciples. I found that he had not loved them for their natural qualities, for they were ignorant and taken up with earthly things. Yet he called them his friends and his brothers and wanted to have them with him in his father's kingdom. He was ready to die on the cross to make this possible, saying, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Meditating on these divine words, I saw only too well how very imperfect was my love for my sisters. I did not really love them as Jesus loves them. I see now that true charity consists in bearing with the faults of those about us, never being surprised at their weaknesses, but edified at the least sign of virtue. I see above all that charity must not remain hidden at the bottom of our hearts, for no man lights a candle and puts it in a hidden place or under a bushel, but upon a candlestick, that they who come in may see the light. It seems to me that this candle is the symbol of charity. It must shine out not only to those, uh, not only to cheer those we love best, but all who are of the household under the old law. When God told his people that they must love their neighbor as themselves, it was before he had come upon earth himself. Knowing how much man loved himself, it was the best he could ask. But when Jesus gives his apostles a new commandment, his own commandment, he asks them to love one another, not only as they love themselves, but as he himself loves them and will love them even until the consummation of the world. The end of the world, that means. Yet I know, my Jesus, that you never command the impossible. You know better than I do how frail and imperfect I am. You know perfectly well that I can never hope to love my sisters as you love them unless you yourself love them in me. It is only because you are willing to do this that you have given us a new commandment, and I love it because it is the assurance of your desire to love in me all those whom you command me to love. I know that whenever I am charitable, it is Jesus who is acting through me, and that the more closely I unite myself to him, the more I will be able to love all my sisters. She then goes on, um, Therese goes on to talk about how she sought out the sisters whose company she enjoyed, and how really this is just really loving herself because it made her feel good. Mm. So after this, she concludes, what, um, what do I conclude from this? That I must seek out the company of the sisters who naturally speaking repel me and be their good Samaritan. Often a single word, a friendly smile, is enough to give a depressed or lonely soul fresh life. Nevertheless, I do not always want to practice charity merely to bring consolation. I would soon be discouraged if that were so, but something said with the best of intentions may be taken in the complete wrong way. So in order not to waste my time and trouble, I try to do everything to give pleasure to our Lord and to follow out the gospel precept. When you make a supper, call not your friends nor your brethren, lest perhaps they invite thee again and recompense is made to you. But when you make a feast, call the poor, 
the maimed, the blind and the lame, and you shall be blessed, because they will have nothing to give you in return. And your father who sees in secret will repay you. A spiritual feast of gentle, joyful love is all that I can set before my sisters. I do not know of any other and want to follow the example of St. Paul, rejoicing with all who rejoice. I know he wept with those who weep, and my feasts are not always without their share of tears, but I always try to turn them into smiles, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I mean, that's a, <laughs> it's a very long quote, but what she's getting at there is, you know, the disciples didn't have any anything necessarily that uh, would attract the perfect God or the Lord to them, but nevertheless, he still chose them and he still called them friends. And she says, you know, God doesn't command the impossible. So it is possible to love others, even those who are not naturally drawn to, with the love of friendship. But again, this is based on the good. Um, so yeah, I would say that she has a sort of, she goes a little bit further, I think, than Aquinas. I think she takes Aquinas to his logical conclusion, I think. Yeah. And I think for Therese, you can really be, you can really be friends with, with, anyone. Now, I'm sure a lot of people would dispute that and say, you know, it's not always wise to be friends with everybody, share everything about your inner life with everybody. And I think there's definitely a, a case to be made for that. But that I think we are called to friendship, not only with God, but with all people, because we're all called to be saints and we're all called mm. to be united with God. And if we're united with God, then we're united with all the, all the saints and all of each other. I think that then means that we are all called to friendship. The only thing that stops us is ourselves and our own sinfulness as human beings. And that's one of the reasons precisely why we need Christ uh, and, and Christ's grace. So thank you for being my friend, Dan. <laughs> I wow. appreciate it. You know, I know like it's not Saint easy. Therese, <laughs> yeah, it's like loving the unlovable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Life and Life podcast. We'll be back next week with a very special episode with one of your Oh yes, friends. next week hopefully we'll be joined by uh, Dr. Maristella, uh, who is a lay Dominican. I think she's living in Latin America, I think, at the moment. But she'll talk to us about what is a lay Dominican, how she, um, how she found her vocation mm. as a lay woman who is attached to, to the same order that I am. But she's not a religious sister, she's not a nun, uh, she lives out in the world, she's a doctor, she's an academic, but nevertheless she has this special uh, connection with the order and so yeah she will be talking to us about her about her vocation and what it is how she discerned it the impact that it has on her life mm. and um, yeah no it should be interesting should, I'm sure I'll learn a lot it should be a really good episode so until next time thanks for joining us God bless God bless bye